coming up. Obviously, this is a terribly uh, tragic event, and uh, but uh, this is not an unusual event, unfortunately, in our society. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. And I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. A verdict in the case of a former Georgia police officer charged in the murder of his wife in 2020. It was absolutely obvious to me that Amanda Peralt could not have shot herself. And in Florida, a new bill would keep the names of lottery winners a secret for 90 days. And the bill has a surprising proponent. First up, a Tampa woman who killed a Plant City lottery winner in 2009 is now supporting a bill that would keep the names of lottery winners a secret. In February of 2020, 44-year-old Amanda Peralt was found dead from a gunshot wound inside her Eatonton, Georgia home. Her husband was the only other person at the home at the time. Will, take us through what happened. So this took place in Eatonton, Georgia. It's about an hour southeast of Atlanta. And it happened in the early afternoon hours of February 3rd, 2020. Amanda's husband, Michael Seth Peralt, an Eatonton, Georgia police officer who had been arrested and released on bond just days earlier for domestic battery, told investigators that his wife had killed herself. Here's WXIA's Jennifer Bellamy reporting on the case back in February 2020. 44-year-old Amanda Peralt was found dead, shot once in the head inside their family home on Monday. But instead of calling 911, the Putnam County Sheriff says her husband, Michael Seth Peralt, called his boss, Eatonton Police Chief Kent Lawrence. The sheriff said Peralt told the chief his wife had killed herself, claiming she was upset about their marriage issues. But last night, he was arrested and charged with her murder. Just six days earlier, on January 28th, the officer was charged with simple battery on his wife. He was also charged with third-degree child cruelty because police say his eight-year-old daughter was there at the time. Peralt was released on a $1,500 bond the next day and placed on administrative leave without pay. The sheriff said at the bond hearing, his wife told the court that she would be okay with him coming back into the house and rejected any conditions that would have barred him from having contact with her. Putnam County Sheriff Howard Sills was at the scene that day, and he would later testify at a probable cause hearing that nothing about the scene indicated to him that Amanda Peralt had killed herself. Here's what Howard Sills had to say. The way her body was positioned, the way the magazine was, where the pistol was, none of that could have happened. The blood that I mentioned on the floor, that was impossible, and somebody absolutely had to have taken the magazine from that pistol, moved that pistol to the location it was, and had to have moved that box. Sheriff Sills also testified that he spoke with Michael Peralt that morning. I went back outside. I spoke with Mr. Peralt briefly. I told him that I would like to talk to him in more detail at the sheriff's office if possible. I told him he was not in custody. He was not under arrest. And I would like for him to voluntarily accompany us or go with us back to the office where we could talk to him further. So at the time, despite the sheriff's testimony at this probable cause hearing, Peralt's lawyer pushed back and stood by his client's claim about what he was saying happened that day. One of Peralt's attorneys, Billy Lavigno, disagreed. He said there was no proof Michael Peralt pulled the trigger. There's no evidence that he held a gun. There's no fingerprint. There's no nothing. But Judge Amanda Petty decided there was probable cause to move the case forward. It's now headed to a grand jury. Following Amanda Peralt's death, investigators spoke to neighbors and family members, 
And it sounds like it was clear not only that there were problems in the marriage, but that Amanda had been very upfront about threats she was facing. There was the battery charge that Michael had been arrested for in the days before her death. According to police records, Amanda Peralt ran to a neighbor's home that day and called 911. That was a charge of simple battery, and he was placed on administrative leave immediately following that arrest. But following his conversations with family members, Sheriff Sills believed, quote, there appears to be a long history of domestic abuse. According to Sheriff Sills, and as part of the trial testimony, a neighbor who gave Amanda refuge in their home also testified, saying she told them, quote, if anything happened, she didn't kill herself. The manner of death in this case was initially deemed to be a suicide, but the sheriff remained suspicious. The case continued to be investigated. That eventually led to an arrest, a grand jury indictment. And as you mentioned, finally, last month, there was a trial. Tell us what the jury decided in this case. Well, after a week-long trial during which the jury heard a lot of testimony about a very dysfunctional marriage and an abusive relationship, Michael Seth Peralt was found guilty on all counts by the jury of eight women and four men. They deliberated for just over two hours. Peralt was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Amanda Peralt leaves behind her stepchild and two of her own children. Read, there's a bill on the governor's desk in Florida that would temporarily keep secret the names of lottery winners. Tell us about this bill. Yeah, well, it would do exactly what you said. It would keep the names and identities of lottery winners from being revealed for a period of 90 days after they win the lottery. The exception to that, of course, being if the winner wants to be publicly identified. And there is a stipulation that it would only apply to lottery winners who won $250,000 or more. Under the current law in Florida, the lottery agency releases the names of winners immediately. And then upon request, they even release the city where that person lives, the, the amount of money that they won, and a few other details. And this bill would not only change that, but it, it seems like it would have some teeth to it. Anyone with inside information who illegally discloses the name of a lottery winner before that 90-day window could be charged with a felony. Reed, why exactly then do lawmakers think a bill like this is necessary? You know, it's one of those things where you you wish we didn't live in a world where making something like this a law would be necessary, but the reasoning is for the safety of the lottery winners. I should mention that this is a story that ran on our partner station, 10 Tampa Bay in Tampa, Florida, but was originally produced by Isabella Leandri, a reporter with Fresh Take Florida, a news service of the University of Florida College of Journalism and Communications. And they reported that during the state house's hearings on this bill, Democratic Representative Tracy Davis who's actually the sponsor of the bill in the House, pointed to news coverage of past lottery winners who were killed after claiming their winnings. And she said, quote, at some point in our lives, we all dream of winning the lottery. Unfortunately for some people, that dream of winning the lottery, sometimes those dreams become a nightmare. Florida State Senator Tina Polsky, who sponsored a version of this bill in the Senate, said a measure like this would give someone who wins the lottery time to put security measures in place. They can tell their family about it. They can seek out financial advice get the money invested, and then after they've done all of that, have their name made public. And, you know, the safety concerns here are not all hypothetical. There have been a number of high-profile cases of lottery winners being killed, aside from other scams and, and harassment and things like that that lottery winners have had to face. One of the cases mentioned in Fresh Take Florida's article on this bill is a case out of Georgia where a 20-year-old named Gregory Birch was shot to death in 2016. And that was just months after winning $400,000 in the lottery, and he was killed during a home invasion. 
And Georgia actually now allows lottery winners to remain anonymous. And there are even nine other states in that same boat, not including Florida quite yet. Another high-profile case that some of our listeners might have heard about is the case of a man named Abraham Shakespeare. Tell us about that one. Yeah, that case is particularly relevant because it happened in Florida. Again, from reporting in that same article, Abraham Shakespeare won a $30 million lottery prize, which he chose to have paid out as a $17 million lump sum. And the short version of his story is that he was subjected to all kinds of harassment and legal challenges. And eventually a woman named Dee Dee Moore told him she wanted to write a book about him and eventually convinced Shakespeare to let her manage his finances, which by that point were dwindling, according to trial testimony. He was free with the money, gave it away to friends and family and and people who asked him for help. After Dee Dee Moore comes in, prosecutors say she took out and spent a million dollars of his money. And amid all of this, in November of 2009, Shakespeare disappeared, and his body was later found buried under a concrete slab in the backyard of a home purchased by D.D. Moore, and Moore ended up being convicted of murdering Shakespeare. You mentioned this was a case out of Florida. I imagine it must have come up again and again as this new legislation was being considered. Not only that, but Fresh Take Florida is reporting that D.D. Moore, the, the person convicted in that case, has spoken out about this new legislation, and I think the bigger surprise is that she's in favor of it. I I should mention she's claimed that she's innocent. She reportedly plans to continue appealing her case. But as it stands, she is behind bars serving a life sentence for murder. And in a phone interview, she said she thinks that revealing lottery winners' identities puts a target on them. In fact, she said she didn't think the 90-day window would be long enough. She said six months would give a winner a more adequate amount of time to make whatever adjustments they need to make. And she added, actually, that she thinks that Even the details about whether the winner chose a lump sum payment or payments doled out over time shouldn't be made available to the public either. All right. So getting back to this bill, where does the legislation stand in Florida? What are the prospects of it being made law? Well, it looks like it will become law. It passed the state house and the Senate with only one lawmaker in each chamber voting against it. And that put the bill on the desk of Governor Ron DeSantis. And every expectation is that he's going to sign it into law, maybe even as early as this month. All right, Reed, thanks for bringing us that story. And thanks to you for listening to The Daily Crime. We are here five days a week, every weekday, Monday through Friday. And if you're not already, check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, and also our newest show, Killer Cases. New episodes every Wednesday, available wherever you listen to podcasts. For The Daily Crime, I'm Will Johnson, along with Reed Redmond.